loves, it is I, your favorite neighborhood lesbian, and today I'm back again with a new podcast episode. That's right, I'm back, baby. Now, this week I'm not talking about the Winter Soldier saga, I'm going to continue that next week, but for this week I am going to be talking about the recent-ish released um, Murder Drones episode, episode 5, Home. So, let's get started. And I just heard a giant truck horn in the background. Alright, so anyways, first off, like always, we're going to go over the plot. And I am stumbling over my words a lot because it has been a little while. Um, So sorry about that. So, it opens with us looking through a, um, a TV, or looking at a TV, I should say, that was playing um zombie droids or some zombie drones or something um it was basically the movie that n had acquired in the previous episode um that was not recommended for robots to see because well it was about zombie robots and they probably wouldn't like it um which i found funny it was just written on there so yeah so it was just it was very interesting to see it come back around, and, um, we don't actually get to see much of the movie itself, aside from the beginning, um, credits of the J.C. Jensen, which is the company that created all of these robots, that created all the drones and all these things, and some warnings and stuff, um, but it only manages to get up to the title, because after that, it then um it then breaks and we zoom out seeing a world of, or a land full of corpses and with some crows flying around eating little bits of the robo corpses so yeah so that's a very interesting introduction um this not much of this really comes back around however throughout the rest of the episode but it does make a very cool opener so, the next thing we move on to is a scene with N and a- another robot girl. I don't know, I don't remember what her name is supposed to be, so I'm just gonna call her C to follow in the naming tradition of drones. So, N and C are in this mansion together, they're working. And, um, N is apparently a part of the staff here. He doesn't have his wings or his tail or the little band of yellow globes on his head. Any of the drone's, um, attributes. He doesn't have any of that. He is just a regular worker droid, um, work- regular worker robot. And, um, he has gone back to the bar. He walked over to the bar. And, um, this is where his friend C is. Now, C is, um, also a robot, and C is very interesting. Um, and the reason why I say that is because C, um, talks very differently from the other robots throughout the episode. Um, have you ever, have you ever seen those text role plays? where um, people put the actions that their character or themselves are supposedly taking in little asterisks. Like, for example, like, 
I giggled and then put them asterisk at the beginning and then asterisk at the end and then, you know, whatever dialogue comes after that or any other preceding actions, things like that. That's kind of, that's, it's, she, she basically talks like that. You know, you can just, whenever she's talking, you can just imagine the asterisks as she says, giggling, giggling, like, you know, like, that's how it, that's how she does it. Like, when she stabs something, she says, stabbing, you know, when she's giggling, she says, giggling. Instead of actually performing the action of giggling, she just says, giggling instead, and of course, um, with the stabbing and other things, um, she actually does do those things, but it's just... It's very interesting um, to see, and she just overall acts very differently from all of the other robots. And also, throughout the episode, um, her form um, glitches, um, whatever you want to call it, the world glitches, whatever you want to say. Either way, um, her form within this glitches to be that of the form of the, um, the, the bad guy in episode two, you know, with all of the wires and the, um, the camera eye and things like that, you know, she ends up, um, going between that and her normal, normal robot form in this memory, so it's just, um, or in this world, um, we end up finding out later that these are actually ends memories, but, um, we'll talk about that more later, so, yeah, it's one of those things where it's just very interesting, and she has a lot of, um, a lot of movement mannerisms as well, a lot of man mannerisms in her movement as well, so, yeah, she very much she very much doesn't fit in with the rest of the crowd. Um, her form is more slouchy compared to the others, and she tends to lazily tilt her head from side to side when she's talking, things like that. Which, all of it together, tends to form a very creepy image. Even though um, she seems to mean well, at least, well, for the moment. So yeah, Anne and her talk for a moment about um, things, and C asks M if perhaps they could um, get invites to the gala, I think it's a gala, that's supposed to happen that night or the next night, something like that. It's not meant to be too far in the future. And Anna's like, oh, well, we can't do that, you know, we're robots, we're robot servants, we're not supposed to. But then C gives N some puppy eyes, and, um, yeah, so. Speaking of that, um, speaking of puppy stuff, it, um, right before this scene, um, there's a small little scene that I didn't think to mention, until now, because it just overall doesn't seem the most relevant, but it does end up coming up later, so I suppose I'll include it now. There's this scene where N is reading a book about dogs, and specifically is at the part about golden retrievers, and how they are, and he keeps saying about how they're so cute, because the book has pictures, and they're just so cute, and they're good with children, because they have gentle mouths. 
and um, in this scene, there is another drone. Um, I forget which drone in the present it's supposed to be, because remember, this is all a memory. And I just, I forget, because they look different between the memory and the reality, and I was bad at, na at their names to begin with, I, um... Well, I just, I can't remember who the equivalent is, but it's, it's, I believe it's the, um, murder drone that, um, I don't know, it's named V or something, a B or V, something like that, um, but yeah, it's the murder drone that's still alive, not the evil one that ended up dying-ish in episode two. That's, that's, that's all I remember. I can never remember these people's names. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, so he ends up talking with her, and, um, it's a little freaky because, um, she is completely and utterly standing still, um, showing, like, on her little face screen face, she's showing, like, an X or something, but she's not moving at all, and nothing's happening, she's just standing there, so yeah, and then shortly after this, it cuts to the next scene I was just talking about before this, so yeah, so it's a little, it's a little kooky, it's a little spooky, um, but yeah. So anyways, now we move on to C and N going off to go see Tessa to try and get the invite, to the um, party, and we end up finding out that Tessa is in fact a human, and that her human parents are there, and that there's other humans, and things like that. So obviously this is a memory, either from Earth, you know, maybe N was working on Earth, or from some sort of space station mansion, or something. I don't really know, we don't get a whole lot of info about the setting, other than it's most likely not from the planet where um, all of the stuff we've seen so far is going on, because that planet doesn't have humans anymore. Um, and there's more evidence later on in the episode that this is not the same place, but we'll get onto that in a minute. So, um, just a real quick side note, I find it interesting the way that they portray humans in this, in the world that, um, Glitch Productions has created. It's, it's very interesting. Humans in this world are basically silhouettes with glowing white eyes, and it's very, it has a very creepy, it has a bit of creepiness to it, but at the same time, with everything else we've seen so far, all of this weird stuff's kind of become normalized in our minds, so this design for humans um, isn't so bad. But yeah, like a silhouette, they're all blacked out. They don't have any other colors, don't have any other stuff, which, like, it's fair. You know, they still have designs to them. You can still tell who is Tessa and who is Tessa's mom and who is Tessa's dad, you know, things like that. You can still tell the differences between them, but um, as far as we can see, the humans are very... Um, very um close to each other in design where i feel like whereas i feel like the robots get to have a little bit more creative freedom with it and this may just be a production 
a um a production um choice you know make it easier um maybe they're not as confident in their human designs as they are in their robot designs i don't know i haven't seen anything else they have made um you know or this could truly just be a creative decision and not a production decision you know to make the humans more creepy and mysterious and seem more like the bad guys um of the overall story although we do see get to see the good of tessa in this episode you know um as i'm about to talk about her mom isn't so great and her dad isn't the best either so might just be how they chose to portray humans because humans are somewhat overall the bad guys so anyways um Anne and c are there to go confront tessa and uh, before they're able to really ask about it, however, um, Tessa is having a conversation with the um, with the murder drone from episode two that did end up getting killed, I believe. Um, I think I want to say so, maybe. Yet again, I can't remember who's meant to be who, and it's been so long now since we've seen that other murder drone girl that, like, I just, I really don't remember much about her or even what she looks like at this point. Um, so maybe I'm getting them confused, turned around, something like that. But either way, I'm going to move on. But anyways, so now Tessa um, draws her attention over to CNN. <laughs> that sounded like CNN. Um, but... <laughs> Anyways, she draws her attention over to them and starts talking about C and talking about how C is creepy and C was meant to actually be locked up and somehow, quote-unquote, found her way out of her cage. Um, even though the um, other girl murder drone there um, says and shows that she still has the key. So, um, clearly C was either helped by N or C found her own way out of the cage. Um, so, yeah, um, before N and C can really speak up too much, however, Tessa's mom comes over and starts talking about C in the same manner as well, and, um, it's overall not a good time instructing the others to lock C up um before C and as she turns to walk away she um C ends up talking to her and saying some very rude and pretty ominous things to her which gets her to turn around and like she is so mad but C the um, not C um N, however, is able to step in at the last moment and declares that it was actually him who told C to say those ugly things and things like that. And um, sheepishly says something along the lines of, and your fan is stupid or something. Either C or N says that, but either way, N, is, um, N says something to quote-unquote solidify his point even though he's very nervous about it and clearly very anxious. And um, if anybody was paying 
um, him half a lick of attention past he's a dumb robot servant, they would be able to tell that he was lying. But either way, he ends up um, getting chained or attached to a tree out in the um, out in the wilderness. Uh, not too far though, but yeah, for his punishment. And initially, we think he's being eaten alive by a bunch of crows, but it turns out that he's not. They're just really, really tickling him. But the person that was, there was a robot tied to the tree next to him who is, in fact, dead. So the tickling quickly turns into picking at and attempting to eat, um, until he suddenly remembers something that he saw earlier. Now, it was either a glitch in this world here, or something that he saw in a book, or something of that nature. I forget exactly how he learns this information, but it doesn't exactly matter. He's given a username, it's like Dark, Dark Wolf X 27 or something like that. Um, you know, it's, uh, I even pointed this out in my watching of it, um, to myself, and I also recorded it, because I always record my, um, initial watching of, watching of murder drones episodes, at least now, anyway. Um, I even mentioned how, like, that was a username that I would have picked when I was younger, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I just, I find it funny. That's like every kid's, every edgy kid's first username. Um, usually when kids are initially learning about the internet and, you know, comprehending all of these things about it, usually, um, you know, there's at least a little bit of a period of quote-unquote edgy original characters, which, like, not all of them are. Um, I know not all of mine were, and things like that. And, you know, names like Dark Wolf, you know, stuff like that. It just kind of accompanies that quote-unquote edgy era of initial online learning and things like that. So, because we, you know, we all think it's cool. You know, and there's nothing wrong with it. But, anyways, my small offshoot of there aside, he ends up shouting out this username, which gets all of the crows to, all of the remaining crows to fly away. And, um, one of the crows ends up falling to the ground, glitching out for a second, before, uh, revealing that it is, in fact, a robot, and its eyes are now glowing purple. And, shortly after it starts talking, we realize, oh, this is Uzi. What is happening? <laughs> so, yeah, Uzi's all like, don't judge me, I, um, I picked it when I was eight. Quite literally what she said. Um... So, yeah. So, Uzi ends up talking with N, and N finds out that he is, in fact, trapped within his own memories, and that, um, she can, um, she can, in fact, pull him out of there, or he can pull himself out of there, or something like that, but he will lose all of these memories in the process, and they really, really need them. So, um... N and Uzi, as a crow, 
end up walking um, walking back together back to the mansion and inside. Inside now is um, one of the um, murder drones people. I forget exactly who it is. It doesn't particularly matter at this moment. In front of a pair of wings hanging on the wall. They appear to be organic wings like the ones that Uzi ends up sprouting. Um, so that's very interesting. But yeah, there's organic wings and a lot of blood everywhere. Organic wings... Um, on the wall behind them, things like that. So it's all just very interesting. Um, but before they can really question it too much, um, you know, Uzi, Uzi tells Anna that they have to get through the door that um, the murder zone person is standing on top of, and N ends up moving the person, um, just kind of, sh um, shuffling them to the side, um, before real, before, um, um, rolling up the rug on top of the trap door and realizing, oh no, um, one of the other murder drone people has the key, the one with Tessa from earlier. So, um, after a creepy sequence involving the murder drone that was just kind of standing there with the X on their face screen, um, and the flashing of the lightning each time revealing, um, I think it's like, first it's a creepy smile, then it's like hand claws, um, I don't know what the last thing is, but... Yeah, so each time it's just revealing something creepy before we then cut back to Tessa. And apparently for the little stunt earlier that ended up getting and um, tied to a tree. And also, I forgot to mention, um, Tessa's mom ended up yelling at her as well for her robot servants and ends up telling her to throw the broken bots away. Um... So, yeah, that was very interesting. So, yeah, now Tessa's here, um, chained to her bed or something like that, and, um, she's spewing off a bunch of seemingly random lines. I'm assuming they're getting, um, her murder drone, her main murder drone assistant angry, um, because she keeps spewing them off until her murder drone assistant, um, uses the power of her anger to bite through the chain, thus releasing Tessa. They both then sneak off to go to the gala, um, sneak, uh, sneaking around upstairs on the, um, on the balcony overlooking the main, um, room, and are just generally sneaking around before Tessa mentionings, uh, mentionings, mentions going to actually murder C, um, you know, so, yeah, there's that, um, and, um, Tessa ends up grabbing a sword off of an old armor, armor set, you know, knight's armor set, and, um, her murder drone buddy ends up grabbing a pistol before they shortly realize, oh, we should trade, and so they do. Next up, we see N, um, whispering over to them, psst, psst, you know, like everyone does, and, you know, bringing them both over to him and his crow.
But before this, a slightly creepy sequence occurs where a, a robot with the organic um, solver wings um, appears on the ceiling for a second before disappearing. So, um, Tessa, N, and um, the other murder drone end up back to back to back with each other, um, wielding their weapons up high. And N mentions how they need the basement key. This crows from the future. So convincing, N. So convincing. <laughs> Uzi, in her crow form, ends up grabbing the key as um, Tessa explains that C is, in fact, planning to murder the gala. Um, I forget exactly how they know this. Maybe just a general... Um, creepy vibe that was telling them what was going on. Um, I don't really know. But either way, they figured that much out. So um, shortly after this, a short fight ensues where um, Tessa and her murder drone are fighting off C um, until the other uh, N and Uzi to just go. They've got her. So they do, and, you know, there's fighting. So, um, N and Uzi end up back at the trap door, and N unlocks it as something seemingly begins to pursue them from behind, but as the trap door opens, Uzi's crow is flung into a wall and ends up, um, being killed. Um, as it reveals that under the trap door is Sin in her spaghetti robot form, very similar to the murder drone who ends up turning into a spaghetti web of wires and a camera eye in episode two. So, um, yeah, so there's that now. Um, N ends up grabbed by the spaghetti monster, and it looks like it's going to be his doom until Uzi takes over the spaghetti, spaghetti's, um, system overriding and taking over, which is indicated in, indicated by um, the yellow light of the camera eye going purple. Once they're both down inside of the um, inside of the trapdoor, something bangs on the outside of it um, until it suddenly stops, and then Uzi and N take a look around. Um, there's a lot of really freaky things, some body parts here and there, a pair of organic wings, things like that, and then N's own body sitting in a chair with its head cut off, which, um, yeah, this doesn't get fully explained until a little bit later. <laughs> After a few moments and Uzi saying that they need to get out of there, um, Uzi is suddenly flung out of the memories by her dad saying, Hey, did you invite Doll to this um, party? Because he, th he thinks that they're all at a slumber party because the actual physical bodies of N and the other murder drone and um, I think a few other people are... Um, all physically in the room with her as she's combing through the memories and things. Well, no. Um, Doll, if you all remember, is the um, robot with orange eyes, the female robot with orange eyes, 
who also has the powers of the absolute solver, but is way more skilled in them, way more fluent in the way that they work, and um, kind of just disappeared for a while. So now suddenly she is back using the absolute solver once again, and Uzi and her have a short confrontation before Uzi ends up giving up the little bug robot guy that she ended up gaining in the last episode, which was her um, next clue to figuring out what the absolute solver was and quote-unquote, what is wrong with me. But she ends up giving it up anyway in order to save N because he is currently in peril and really needs her help and will lose his memories and possibly even his mind if she doesn't get back in there right away. So she gives it up and Doll calls her a good friend um, before teleporting off. During this confrontation that Doll and Uzi are having, um, inside of the memory thing, um, C is doing multiple things at once. First off, she is, um, ha is back in her spaghetti robot body and is, um, has N put back into the chair where his previous self had died, saying, let's reset these memories one more time. Apparently, just one more attempt and they will be gone forever. So, C ends up putting N in the chair, moving the body, but we are treated to a few hilarious scenes because apparently this goes on for a while inside of the memories of C trying her absolute best in her spaghetti robot form to try and pick up the tiny scalpel and needle and other surgical utensils in order to begin the process. But because of her imperfect crab claw hands that are a part of her spaghetti form, she is unable to do so. Um, and after a while, she ends up enlisting the help of the murder drone um, that we saw from earlier that was um, standing over the trap door. But um, she is also kind of useless and is unable to um, help too much in this respect. Um, until N ends up reminding her partly of who she is, um, by telling her about the dogs that she had taught, uh, that he had been reading about in the beginning, which she had been there for, and telling her that, um, um, yet again, that golden retrievers are really good for ki with kids because they have very soft mouths. So he ends up bringing her back to herself, but not for too long as um, the spaghetti C um, ends up just kind of flinging her off because, well, obviously this isn't working. So instead she decides and opts to just completely hammer in his head, or at least attempt to before she is thwarted. But... We can't forget about the other thing that C is also doing in her regular robot body at the same time as this, which is confronting Tessa and her murder drone companion before um, she ends up taking over the murder drone companion's mind um, and ends up showing up again in her spaghetti form in this location, um preparing to fight Tessa even more, because Tessa had already flung a few things at her, but it had done nothing, 
because she had used the absolute solver powers in order to not get hurt. So, when all of this is said and done, like I said before, Uzi ends up taking over the spaghetti robot's body before they're able to hurt and ends up releasing the murder drone um, that had been previously used in order to try and pick up the objects. And N and Uzi um, end up helping her, just N ends up helping her up before... Um, before the murder drone realizes that um, Uzi's in her head, and they both recall who Uzi is before quickly um, getting out of their own heads and back to reality. Next thing we do is we cut to a doll with the little bug robot, who ends up handing it over to the human astronaut girl and the new murder drone, that we ended up seeing at the end of, I think, like, episode three or something. Um, and the, ro uh, and the, uh, and the astronaut girl ends up having this exact same voice as Tessa. So we have reason to believe it's Tessa. And also Tessa, um, astronaut Tessa ends up testing whether or not doll is doll by shooting a bullet at her using what appears to be the exact same gun from the night in N and um, the other murder drones' memories that they were just in. Um, Doll, of course, ends up reflecting the bullets, um, and Tessa's little test is complete. Not long after this, however, um, N, Uzi, and the other murder drone end up running into the astronaut girl and the new murder drone and doll, and they all exclaim, what? All at each other all at once, and that's how the episode ends. Now, as for theories and things about this episode, there's nothing that I'm really too curious about when it comes to this episode as a whole. I don't have questions like I did for episode four. You know, there wasn't anything um, new introduced other than the very, very beginning scene with the TV. I'm wondering if that's a part of the memory um, or of a different memory or of something like that, or if that was just a creepy visual to get us hooked into the episode. I don't know if that actually happens, if that's just inside N's mind, because his memories throughout this episode are glitchy and imperfect because they're being messed with. So, it leads me to wonder if whether or not that scene was real, if it was a dream, if it was a memory, or, like I said, if it was just a cool hook. Which, I have no problem if it's just a cool hook, but if it's supposed to be more than that, how does it fit into the rest of this? So it's all, it's all something very interesting to consider. Um, it doesn't really lead to many dangling threads other than about C, like who exactly C is, why was C trying to get rid of these memories, you know, um, more quote-unquote basic questions around that, um, which are obviously a part of the mystery of this specific episode. So, um, you know... To me, it doesn't seem all that important to go over every single question that that raises because, you know, you can come to you, to the conclusions of all of those questions on your own just watching the episode. 
you know, on here I like to talk about the less obvious mysteries, the world building, things like that, and so far everything, everything quote-unquote makes sense, at least for the world that has been built so far. So, you know, I just hope to see more in the future, and I'm really looking forward to the next episode to see where this whole astronaut meets our crew thing goes, or the old crew, or the new crew, or whatever. So, yeah, um, like I said, I'll be getting back to my regular programming. Of course, this is the first step in that. Um, I'll be getting back into the habit of this, and I will see you all in the next one.